Hello, and welcome to the show. I'm Aristotle Full Throttle, and uh, welcome to the show. Hi, Raccoon Raiders. Um, today is Tuesday. Uh, dose meal. Um, dose ventes two. Hey, I don't speak Spanish. Do you speak Spanish? Um, I should speak Spanish, technically. Just chilling with a bearded dragon taking a nap on my shoulder. That is adorable, Keltoline. That's wonderful. Welcome to the show. Let me play your intro. Delighting while you were watching that, I was distracting you. That is the art of distraction. Welcome, also, Keltadeline. Who's been spoiling everything? Kelly! And I killed Sparky, too. <laughs> and she killed Sparky, too. Uh, let me see if I can shrink down here I'm trying to figure out the best possible angle just trying to work the <laughs> it's a constant work in progress hello old rare two hey aristotle full throttle good to see you well it's good to see you too uh welcome it's good to be here it's good to be black uh here uh, so listen joker two is coming out the movie The Joker. I don't know if you saw The Joker because I'm going to spoil it for you, but there's a movie called Joker, right? I'm not going to spoil it for you, but I I do have a theory. I do have a very strong theory that I think is really, really, I think it's true. Try to prove me wrong. Joker 2 is coming out and it's going to be a musical. And now I think that's perfect. I think that's the perfect way to do a sequel to the movie Joker because of several reasons. One of the reasons being... Let me just get this to work here. Hold on a second. Hold on one second. Yeah, let me just... I could just attach that. Uh, if you guys want to support the channel and help me buy a new mic stand, that would be wonderful. So you could do that by liking, sharing, subscribing, listening to the podcasts on Spotify and all the different platforms. And also, you know, subscribing on Twitch, also pledging a dollar... A dollar a month on Patreon. Could you could you imagine if twenty people pledged one dollar a month? The next month I could get a new mic stand that will stay. <sighs> this show is constantly falling apart. I'm trying to tell you, listen. If you want more of this, you want more of this? You're you're gonna have to start it's first the first one thousand episodes is free. <laughs> right? Then I start charging. Okay. Oh man. I just need to keep this thing going. And this is this is a this is symbolic, really. Hold on. I just want to talk to you. Hold on. I can't see you. Ah, Alright. Okay. Okay, I'm sweating. Whew. That was rough. Listen, um, 
I think that Joker, if you haven't seen the movie Joker with Joaquin Phoenix, dude, dude won an Oscar. Dude won an Oscar for playing uh, one of the most beloved characters in the sense that you hate him so much. There's two people within like uh, 12 years or 10 years of each other won an Oscar for playing the character Joker. Wrap your brains around that. One for best supporting actor, one for best actor. Um, wrap your brain around that. Apparently, people like the portrayal of Joker in media. Like it or not, ready or not, people are accepting these types of characters in the mainstream. That is to say, you know, hundreds of years ago, what did we have? Pierrot and Pierrette. We had all these different like cartoon characters that were entertainment of the time now that now Pagliacci were like oh that's classical but at the time it's just a clown see it's just a clown and people were clowning around but now it's opera it is sacred it is very very uh <laughs> taken seriously it was a clown sad clown so joker i venture to say is a very similar type of character in media that you could uh, portray in many different ways. And one of my favorite things about the Joker, the character in the comic books, the Batman comic books, the detective comics, DC comics, uh, is that the Joker has no reliable origin. That is to say he is everything you've ever heard him say about where he's from or every story you've ever heard about where he might have originated as a human is false. It's unreliable. It's not true. Think about it. You want to know how I got these scars? Every single time that Heath Ledger played the Joker, every single time he tried to tell people how he got those scars on his face, he uh, told a different story, which is amazing. Because not to this day do we actually know the true origin of the Joker uh, reliably. I mean, there's different stories that tell different things and different ways that somebody became the Joker, but then it turns out there's like different Jokers, there's different versions of the Joker, and there's always a Joker. They don't know where the Joker came from. The Joker's wild, man. So I would say that it's really cool. It's a really cool way to uh, portray this character in media, especially the movie Joker from a couple years ago. People were like, oh, this is about an incel or whatever. Listen, it was more about depression and isolation and mental illness. Because if you watch Joker the way I watched Joker, and don't watch it the way the guy who reviewed it on NPR watched it, because the guy who reviewed it on NPR, I listened to his review, guy didn't watch the same movie as I did. I actually really liked Joker. Not just because Larry Schur was the cinematographer for that movie, and I worked with him on Kissing Jessica Stein, and he's the guy who does the worm in, in the wedding scene in that movie, and I play a, a waiter in that scene. But let me just tell you, I liked the movie Joker because if you watched it like I did, and not like the guy from NPR, here's what the guy from NPR said, because there's a very famous scene from the movie Joker. There's a very famous scene in the movie Joker where Joker, Joaquin Phoenix, is on the train, and then there's a the bunch of businessmen and they start singing send in the clowns and they start singing send in the clowns and they're they're running around the train car and you're like uh the guy from npr is like am i to believe that a bunch of businessmen from wall street know the lyrics to send in the clowns and i'm like dude that's the point you are missing it you are missing the point of this movie 
the whole point of this movie is, am I to believe what I'm seeing? Every single scene from that movie is questionable. The reality is questionable on purpose, deliberately. Every single scene in that movie, if you watch it the way I watched it, or the way I thought about it after I watched the movie, every single scene in the movie has a point where it turns and you say, how could that be real? And it gets extreme toward the end. It gets very extreme. It becomes an extreme fantasy, perhaps. Any one of those scenes could be fake. Any one of those scenes could be real. That's why the movie Joker still is on brand without having a reliable origin for the character, which I love. Remember at the very end of the movie, Joaquin Phoenix is laughing. He's, in a, he's sitting with his casement worker because he's in Arkham Asylum. He's sitting there and he's, he's laughing and he, the uh, caseworker says, what, what are you laughing? He's like, ah, I don't know, I just thought of a joke. And it's brilliant because the whole movie you just watched could have just been made up in his head. What you're watching right now could be it could have been made up in his head. Um, so I really do enjoy that aspect of that movie. And I got, understand that there's like contextual things about cultural context about like a lot or at least a lot of people trying to cancel the movie on, on a listen sometimes i just want to see a dramatic piece for what it is in isolation i don't want to sit there and go oh this is glorifying this and this is glorifying that because sometimes these stories need to be told sometimes the stories are interesting and fascinating for instance my brother said he didn't like that song by foster the people uh, all you young kids with the pumped up kicks, you better run, better run, faster than my bullets. You know, whatever, that song. He's like, why, can you believe that they're singing about school shooting? And I'm like, well, better to sing about it. And he's like, can you believe that, though? Can you believe that? Why would you sing about that? And I'm like, I don't know. Why would you want to do that? Better to sing about it, right? <laughs> and he's like, he just was so incredulous as to why, why someone would sing about that. And I said, they're singing about it. They're singing a song about it. They're not doing it. They're they're expressing a fantasy. They're expressing a, not a reality. And you could say, well, that condones the reality of it. And I could say, no. I could say it's it's a better, healthier way to express that frustration is uh, put it in your art. And uh, I don't know, controversial opinion, maybe, but better to sing about it than do it is what I say. Um. You know, listen to the lyrics of every heavy metal song you've ever heard <laughs> and just say, wow, those are some crazy ass lyrics. Good thing they're not doing that stuff. Yes, there's a band called Cannibal Corpse. Could you imagine? Yeah, Cannibal Corpse. So I'm saying it's phenomenal. It's pretty cool. I like the movie. I thought Joker was pretty cool. I think Joaquin Phoenix did a great job is the character uh i think that it makes perfect sense it makes perfect sense ladies and gentlemen you might be angry that they're trying to cast that they're trying to cast lady gaga in um joker 2 i guess she's in talks at this point if you hear about it it means it's a done deal but lady gaga is probably going to play uh harley quinn in the musical version 
of the sequel to Joker, Joker 2. And I believe it, I don't know if this is true or not, but it might be called Folia, Folia Adu, which is, now dig this. It makes perfect sense that Lady Gaga would be cast as Harley Quinn because she's a good singer and it's going to be a musical. And people are like, why is it going to be a musical? I'm like, because it's questioning reality itself. It's testing the reality. What you are watching could be all fantasy. And that's the beauty of it. And that's why I think that's the only way you could do a sequel. And there's a, there's a phenomenon called folia adieu. Folie adieu, which is French for means like the, the, the craziness of two. The, 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 uh, it's a, so this is a phenomenon that happens where two people share a mental illness. So if you have Harley Quinn and Joker, Harley Quinn being his therapist and Joker... This can happen. This has probably happened. Uh, can bring the therapist into his psychosis, or she can maybe try to delve into his psychology, and then they could have a shared fantasy, a shared mental illness. It's a true phenomenon. It happens. People have folie adieu, which is a shared mental state. They share the same symptoms of a same mental illness, even though one or neither of them is diagnosed with it, or both. So it's an interesting take on making a sequel. Chiraptorus says, Joker musical set the album Folia Do by Fallout Boy. Oh, I guess there is an album called that. I didn't know that. But it makes sense. I said, it's all in his head. It's in her head too. That's what you get with Folia Do. See, it writes itself, really. It's a, <laughs> it's a musical. Call me, call me Todd Phillips. I'll write some music for it. It'll sound like this. It'll sound like buzzing that's what it'll sound like if you ask me it won't sound like poker face uh Kelton Lane says she basically played Harley Quinn in her telephone video to telephone that's true she and she and, and our friend Beyonce. Beyonce. So I, I'm saying, I'm looking forward to this idea, this to see a fantastical representation of Joker. People are angry. They're like, I don't want it to be a musical. And I'd say personally, I actually enjoy movie musicals. Because for me, for some reason, that is the only medium format where I can accept people breaking out into song and dance. Otherwise, when it happens in real life on a musical stage, I get a little weird. I'm like, uh-oh. I hope they don't trip. Uh, people are just starting to sing now. Get away from me. It's weird when people are talking and then suddenly singing at each other. In real life, on a musical stage, I can't handle it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very difficult for me to handle, which is strange that I like Hamilton so much. But I like the movie Hamilton on Disney. And I liked it better than when I saw it down the street at uh, Pantages. Best movie musicals, tell us. Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, Little Shop of Horrors. It was probably the best music movie musical, uh, 1980-something great. So good. Rick Moranis, Steve Martin. Um, 
Singing in the Rain is the gold standard, says Keltaline. I'll tell you what, though. I saw Singing in the Rain. It's good. Hot take. Singing in the Rain. Pretty good. Although, Keltaline, Singing in the Rain does not have a cohesive story, which is what people say. <sighs> Listen, I like when the musical kind of is weird and makes sense and it just starts somebody, there's a musical number for no reason. I think my, my favorite movie, Frank, is technically a musical. One of my favorite movies, the movie Frank. Uh, I think it's technically a musical. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, let me play some sound effects from the movie Frank. Somehow my computer is working. I don't want to jinx it, but I don't know how it's working. Like, oh my, my God, they found me. I don't know how, but they found me. Uh, yeah, I guess I just only have a vocal pass on this. You can hear me, can't you? What if I do this? Application. Uh, and then I select this. Running applications for Raggio. And then I do this. Uh, I have a certificate. I have a certificate. Oh, could you hear that? I have a certificate. <laughs> That's cool. Maybe if I do this. Uh-oh. Yeah, let me just try to do this. Let me put a little, little output device. Singing in the Rain, though, let me just say, Colleen, it's just, it's just a bunch of popular songs of the time that they just wrote partially for the movie and also, not really, and I don't know. You see, I have a certificate. <laughs> so, singing in the rain. All right, you got your, you got your Gene Kellys and your and your Debbie Reynolds. Look at you, with Princess Leia's mom also being Hollywood royalty. Singing in the rain, pretty good. I actually saw it in the movies. The first it was the first time I saw it. I think. Um, that might may or may not be true. Noel to Noel Dreyer says, "Yes, I agree with you. Th though we need to stop blaming movies and music for other people and their mental illnesses and their psychotic tendencies." I agree. I agree. I think that uh, people say, it. "I don't know." I think if we we taught uh, better mental health. And how to identify different things in mental health. It's it's kind of a if we if we just do that. You see what happens, Larry? <laughs> Is uh the Big Lebowski a musical? Uh, Kelsey says. How do you have a cohesive storyline? It's about complicated involved when Hollywood's had to, to do talkies. Yeah. How did it not have a cohesive storyline, Kelton Lean? Because it just had a scene, and then they sang and they danced, and then they had another scene, and then they sang and they danced. And then they said, how about we sing and dance again? <laughs> um, I haven't seen Chicago yet. What's your favorite movie musical? I liked, uh, what other movie musicals are there?
Uh, I'm playing white zombie. Sorry. Corruptor says it's never one thing to blame, but constant consumption of certain kinds of media definitely affect how people think. Um, I mean, it's the age-old question, right? Is it? Is it the? Is art a reflection of the times, or is time a reflection of the art? I think that um, I think it goes both ways. I think that I think that uh, I don't know. I don't. I'd like to see the studies. <laughs> I'd like to see all the studies on it. It was Millie Vanilli before Millie Vanilli. Yeah, Millie Vanilli. Remember them? Which one was Vanilli? Vanilli died, I think. Millie is still out there. La La Land says Noel Dreer. I understand the the uh, controversy about La La Land. People don't like La La Land. People are like I don't like it. It's about Hollywood. And I'm like, yeah. I've lived in Los Angeles long enough to like La La Land because I understand what it's like to come to La La Land pursuing your dream, which is about, the movie is about Ryan Gosling. And uh, and uh, I can't believe I'm, I'm forgetting Gwen Stacy's name. But uh, they come to Hollywood to pursue their dreams of being a musician and an actress. And uh, so I can relate to that. I live in Los Angeles, so I can relate to that. Um, so watching the movie, I'm like, this is a movie that takes place in Los Angeles, written for people in Los Angeles, by people in Los Angeles. So I'm like, I like it. Of course I like it. I'm the target audience for this movie. <laughs> so I do like La La Land, however a lot of people don't like it. They're like, I hate it. And I'm like, okay, I get it. If you live in anywhere else than L.A., I can... I mean, even people in L.A. are like, I hate it. It's so L.A. And I'm like, you know, it's, I mean, it's the reason I like it. It's for, for instance, it's the reason why I like Paul Thomas Anderson, the film director. People are like, I hate him. He just lets his actors do whatever, and it's so self-indulgent. And I go, yes, that's actually why I like it. <laughs> I watch his movies, and I go, okay, Joaquin Phoenix, just do stuff for 10 minutes and we'll watch you. That's compelling to me. I find that interesting and fascinating to see an actor fully, um, you know, in, ensconced in their character. They're fully present as the person that they're portraying. Like the movie, the master, if you've seen the movie, the master by Paul Thomas Anderson, it's very strange. It's technically about L Ron Hubbard, but they couldn't say that because it would, they would have gotten sued. So they made a character who's basically L Ron Hubbard and he starts basically Scientology and, uh, and they show Joaquin Phoenix plays a character who is basically easily impressionable. I think he had like a head wound. He's a, he's a, he's a veteran and, uh, he's easily, uh, impressionable. So there, there's a scene, there's scenes with Phil, uh, Philip Seymour Ta Hoffman, Hoffman Seymour, Seymour Phillips, Hoffman's he's in it and he's plays L. Ron Hubbard's so he's going like hey come join my cult and it's 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 interesting it's interesting if you like cults are you like me do you like cults it's fascinating I just watched a, a documentary about teal swan which is it's not black swan it's teal swan it's a different color swan uh, it was on Hulu and she's a cult leader and she's crazy and it was it was infuriating, but it was also fascinating. It's like four hours long. 
An American in Paris. I've never seen that, Kelsaline. So La La Land is a cohesive plot? Yes. Uh, Kelsaline says, Singing in the Rain was a send-up of Hollywood. Yeah, sort of. La La Land does have a cohesive storyline, though. There's like a beginning, middle, and end. It's a love story. Uh, Ryan Gosling, then he goes on tour with uh, John Legend in the thing, and then the, the, you know. But the cool thing about La La Land is it's a love letter to Los Angeles. There's Every scene is perfectly composed to show a beautiful backdrop of a very famous landmark in L.A. And, for instance, when they do that dance number at Griffith Park at sunset, it's like, that's my hike. I, I'm like, that's where I walk past on my hike. Like, And they did it all in one take. And I'm like, those lampposts aren't there. They actually just put those lampposts there for ambiance. So I know that for a fact because I walked on that multiple times a week. And I'll just go, hey, that's cool. I know that part of L.A., which is the opposite of the show Barry, which I haven't seen the final episode of the season, so don't spoil it yet. I need to watch the final episode of the season of Barry. Don't spoil it! Anyway, um, Colleen, I'm looking at you. So... The opposite is Barry is a is fascinating show to watch for me as someone who lives in Los Angeles because every single backdrop ever is like the most mundane part of Los Angeles, but the most real. It's the realest. If you're watching that and they're at like CVS at two in the morning, you're like, that is a Los Angeles CVS at two in the morning. It's fantastic. <laughs> that is the crappy siding. This is a terrible uh, apartment building that the entire city and especially the valley is laced with these terrible stucco apartment buildings that are ugly and crappy. And like, that is the real Los Angeles that you, that they don't ever showcase except for in the show, Barry. If you watch the show, Barry, that's what it feels like to live in Los Angeles. And I love it so much, especially to be like a struggling actor. You're like, I get it. This is what it's like. The irony is that PTA directed, Paul Thomas Anderson directed one of Tom Cruise's best performances. Keltalina is talking about the movie Magnolia. Great soundtrack. It has Amy Mann on it. How's the song go? It goes like. I'll figure it out. That song, Wise Up, it's a good song. Uh, trying to hear it in my head. Cabaret, says Dolder. Yes, Joel, Joel Gray won the Oscar. His EGOT for Cabaret. Nice callback to, to EGOT. Speaking of EGOTs, I guess Jennifer Hudson is now an EGOT. Jennifer Hudson and Whoopi Goldberg, EGOTs. Can, can you believe it? Did uh did Will Smith did he got a he got did he got he got Will Smith is he slapping anybody for egots is he out there slapping egots out of anybody of course that's Emmy Oscar uh, Grammy t- oh, oh wait Emmy Grammy Oscar Tony that means you've you've mastered all formats of uh, entertainment <laughs> means that you've been on live performance you've done an album a recording. You've done a film and a television show, and have won the highest accolades in all four in all of those formats. Bjorn Egan. Kelteline says, "I haven't seen season two of Barry yet. You're fine, which is good. 
She's like, because otherwise you would not be fine. <laughs> there's a great Portlandia sketch with Amy Mann. Oh, there's a ton of great Portlandia sketches with Amy Mann. That's when they come, she comes to clean their house, I think, uh, the one you're talking about, which is so great. I love Amy Mann so much. Uh, it's, I'm just saying, I'm saying Michael Penn, uh, you know, Michael Penn and Amy Mann, they're married. I would say that uh, it's an interesting couple. It's a cool couple. They they can make music together. Michael Penn has a couple of uh, songs. John Legend is a EGOT. Dude is a legend, huh? No, Sarah was the cleaner. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. One of my favorite episodes of Portlandia was where they wanted to watch more episodes of Battlestar Galactica. They stayed up all night and they they missed work because they wanted to finish all four seasons of Battlestar Galactica. And then they ran out of episodes about Star Galactica and they're like Galactica they were like what it's over there's no more episodes who makes this show who makes the show and they like looked at the back of the DVD case and they said directed by like I don't know John Marshall I don't know <laughs> and they were like they looked in the phone book for a guy named John Marshall and it was just some old guy and they went to his house and they were like hey did you make Battlestar Galactica and he's like no and they're like but it says your name on this case. And he's like, no, nah, I didn't do that. And they're like, can you make us more episodes of that? And then Edward James almost shows up. And then the guy, John Marshall, is just a regular guy directing episodes of Battlestar Galactica with Edward, Edward James almost. And it's great. <laughs> you could just go watch it. Or I could describe it. It's fantastic. Kelton Lee says they found a dude in the phone book. Yeah, Ron something. It was so funny. That comedy, I love it. Comedy... It's one of my funniest things, funniest things in life. Comedy is great. You know what I love about comedy? Is that it's so damn funny. Okay. That's what I meant to say. Let me just, let me just find out how to play this song. Hold on a second. Let me just see. The Wise Up song is a good song by Amy Mann. Welcome to Short Attention Span Theater. Do you guys remember that? Short Attention Span Theater? What was it called? No, I don't want the live version. You know, Amy Mann is an insanely awesome rock star, by the way. She's so cool. Watch Voices Carry Live when she was in the band Till Tuesday. Watch how awesome she is. She's one of my influences as a rock and roller. Watch her perform. She's an incredible rock star. I think she's, in, she's incredible. One of the best songwriters of the last 20, 30 years, Amy Mann. She is also an incredible rock star. Watch her performance in Till Tuesdays. You guys know that song, Till Tuesdays, where she's singing, uh, Hush, hush, keep it down now, voices carry. That song? That's a good song, too.
Ollaan sekin. This is why they invented the keyboard. There you go. Back to work. Back to work. You're welcome for the strums. What is the series after Boba Fett, says Noel Drew. Well, technically, the series after Boba Fett and during Boba Fett is Mandalorian. But, uh, yeah. Also the sequel trilogy, technically. The series after Boba Fett, immediately following in the timeline, is going to be The Mandalorian Season 3, which comes out next February. But if you're watching Disney Plus for Star Wars series... The following series is the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, but that takes place 10 years before Rogue One slash A New Hope. What, what, what chord is that, ladies and gentlemen? Oh, wait. I'll figure out a cool arrangement on the guitar for that, and uh, I'll play it never. Well, Joker 2. So I, I the title of this episode is called... Um, Team Normal or Team Amber Heard? Because uh, let me just say this. Amber Heard is doing this. this uh, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to invoke Amber Heard. If you guys want to talk about January 6th versus Amber Heard, it is like the people who embrace facts and reality and the people who don't. And uh, most of the people don't. Most people don't care about facts and the shared reality that is call, called our, our existence. Most people like to gaslight, it turns out. Kelton Lee says there's supposed to be a Diego Luna Rogue One seri- prequel series, I think. Yes, it is called And Or. It's called And Or. It should be called And Slash Or. I think. That's my, that's my two cents, Disney. It should be called And Or. Either Or is by Elliot Smith. And Or is by Diego Luna. So I would say that uh, there's people in this world who do not care about reality. And that is to say, the shared reality that we all share. You can have your own personal truth. You can have your truth that you experience, which is valid. Your life, your feelings, your your experience, your perception, that's real. But when you try to uh, impose that on other people, you need to bring some facts and evidence that it is part of the real world and not just in your le- in your world. Kelsey says Amber Heard decided to do her interview with someone whose husband was part of Depp's legal team. That's hilarious. Yes, um, you're talking about Savannah Guthrie. And Savannah Guthrie herself, I believe, is a lawyer. So I think it's kind of hilarious to, to be like talking to a lawyer about how you lost your damn case. <laughs> it, my, my favorite thing, when I say favorite, I mean that very sarcastically. My favorite thing about Amber Heard is that she's like, this was unfair. So what's fair then? Presenting your side of the case with equal time 
against someone else's side of the case and that having been judged by a jury of your peers. That's not fair. She said, well, they were watching social media. And it's like, no, they were watching the court for 100 hours. They probably were not scrolling through their phones while they were watching all the testimony and hearing all the cases. I could probably, I can guarantee you that. <laughs> they probably sat there, saw things, heard things, made a judgment. And the judgment was not in your favor. But since Amber Heard is a narcissist, therefore it's not fair. It's incredible, though. I find it highly uh, um, activating to watch someone lie so much and then have everything that happens be someone else's fault. Now, if you look at the grand scope of this thing, none of the facts and none of the evidence that Amber Heard brought to the court or brought to a anything amounted to her winning any, like she won on one um, claim in the court, which was something, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to minimize it because it wasn't even something that Johnny Depp said. It was something that Johnny Depp's lawyer said. Johnny Depp's lawyer made a statement and Amber Heard won on account of defamation. That's why people are like, she won also. It's like, no, like literally Johnny Depp didn't say the thing that she won on. Someone else did. However, Johnny Depp, since he was a representative of Johnny Depp, Johnny Depp was the one who got um, the thing. She herself made those claims against Johnny Depp, and people are like, well, she never named him. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. I could be like, he comes down the chimney on Christmas. He puts gifts underneath the tree. He lives in the North Pole. He lives with elves. Are you talking about Santa Claus? I didn't name him. I didn't name him. <sighs> That's basically it. So Amber Heard's out there making all these like, <laughs> woe is me. It's so unfair that I lost a trial where I could not present a convincing case or any convincing evidence or any convincing testimony. Uh, so unfair. I just think it's so crazy how much media she had but not one thing representing any of the claims of the injuries that she sustained, it's, that she claims to have sustained. It's just really frustrating to, for me to see that because it's not fair to people who are actual victims. And it's, not, and it's really glorifying to someone like her who's out there. People are like, it just sucks because if the tables were turned, Johnny Depp, if like everything that she did and said was reversed and it was like what he said if you reversed the genders if you reversed johnny depp in this case for some for some reason people would be like johnny depp is a total pos that stands for piece of shite they'd say johnny depp is a total piece of garbage and amber heard is clearly ill she's victimized but all of the evidence points to her being the abuser and then people are still like, well, it's clearly she's unwell and Johnny Depp is a total piece of garbage. <laughs> and I'm like, how does he not win? He literally wins in court. And for some people, it does, it does, you know, 
it's it has to be proven that she was defamatory that she was malicious that she did this on purpose to try to to gain some kind of uh power and it's just in line with abusive behavior everything that she's doing and it's, i don't know how to convince you if you're not on board with that yet i don't know what i can say or do to tell you like look this is what this what you're seeing is what you're getting what you're seeing is what is real. What she's trying to do on this tour on the Today Show, Amber Heard is trying to tell you that what you saw did not happen, which is called gaslighting, which is what abusers do. She's doing two things. She's saying everything is not fair, which is a narcissistic thing to say because she lost, so therefore it wasn't fair. The jury didn't know what they were talking about. All of the people com- uh, challenging her testimony were all lying. <laughs> Nothing, everything else is not fair. This happened to her. Meanwhile, she is largely responsible for all of this happening. She said, the internet's backlash was happening to me. It's like, well, if you didn't falsely claim these things and you did, weren't defamatory, perhaps you would not be bearing the brunt of the consequences of your behavior. See what I'm saying? I find it fascinating that still, at this point, she's still saying... She is the victim of all of this, yet she's going out there continuing to defame basically everybody else that was opposing her. Um, Very, very frustrating. Now, this is what I'm going to segue into January 6th because it's very similar. You've got another narcissist at a grand scale, which I don't know why narcissism seems to be ruling these days, but you got Donald Trump out there going, not believing anything anyone's telling him saying that he still won the election and that everything is unfair, that Donald Trump won the election and everything everyone else has said is not true. You got Donald Trump and Amber Heard being victims of situations where they're not grasping the reality of the situation. Old Dreyer says, Amber Heard is a child looking for attention in the media and unfortunately she's getting it. She did not give it into all these losers they would not do it i mean tissue right really uh she's a child looking for attention in the media well yeah i agree with donald trump did it and look at what he's given to help our wonderful media i don't know, I don't know. well you know if you're gonna blame the media I, I don't think you can really blame the media for if you're if you are um actually watching the content. For instance, people who are had these bad takes that Amber Heard was treated unfairly uh, during the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial clearly didn't watch it because when you confront them with it, you go, did you watch the trial? They say, no, I didn't watch a minute of it. Why would I watch that garbage? It's like, well, then st- stop talking about it if you don't know, if you didn't actually watch the hours and hours and hours of testimony like I did. I totally did. It was my escapism. I was like, I'm going to watch this and and get involved in that. And if you watch the actual coverage, because it streams all day long, you can sit there and say the media is twisting it one way and the internet's twisting it that way. It's available to you. It's all available to you. It's all out there. You can watch it out of context, and you could choose to watch it on Fox News. You could choose to watch it on MSNBC, whichever side you want to be on. But, uh, you could also watch the raw footage and make your own decisions. This is what I think people, I encourage you to do. So if you didn't watch the Amber Heard trial, the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial, if you didn't watch it, 
Stop. Make Don't even tell me what you think about them. Because I had my own opinion at the beginning, too. I was like, they're both idiots. I don't want to be dragged into their garbage. By the middle of it, I was like, wait a minute. This is a real case of defamation. <laughs> this makes sense as to why someone would charge her with defamation. This actually makes sense. She defamed him. She made claims that were false. She, those claims that she knew were false were malicious and damaging to his career because he was subsequently fired. Where's Johnny Depp been to the last six years? So I find it fascinating that people still, because of the genderizing of the situation, with Amber Heard and Johnny Depp, they're like, well, this is bad for women. It's not bad for women. This is bad for abusers. This is good for people who have been abused because it's, it's shining a light on how the behavior works. You know, I don't think, I think they were toxic, but from everything I saw and heard, I didn't hear I didn't hear or see any type of uh, evidence, neither did the jury, that Johnny Depp was physically abusing Amber Heard. Clearly, they did not have a good, they had a rocky relationship, but from what I was seeing and hearing from every single thing, every angle, and the jury, and people who watched it, they're like, she is clearly an abusive human being and narcissistic. Kelton Lee says, her behavior is too triggering for me. My late stepsister was very much the same. Yeah, there's a lot of people that have to deal with people like Amber Heard. And if you have dealt with people like Amber Heard, you understand. And it's, it's a very difficult thing to convey to people who haven't expressed it, who haven't experienced it. Because, for instance, it, it really is so black and It's so clear. It's so crystal clear when you see it when you've been through it you're like oh clearly this is what's going on but a lot of people don't have those tools they don't have that experience they haven't they don't have the interest in learning about it they don't have the personal experience of dealing with someone like that so they just chalk it up to being like whatever which is fine good for you but don't make a judgment about her being victimized in a certain way because <laughs> you're not seeing the actual dynamic that's happening you know and fr from everything i saw and heard so to speak i can clearly see what was going on there ask any any victim of abuse really she you know not i'm not saying go around looking for people who oh, have you been abused but anybody who's been in that situation can go yep clearly someone even on the the jury anonymously was writing after the thing he was writing, he's answering some questions online and someone was saying, how did you decide? He's like, well, she kind of reminded me of my ex-girlfriend, ex-girlfriend always trying to gaslight me. I was always, yeah, I was always, uh, people trying to gaslight me, this person in particular. It's not a, it's not a fun experience. Cause you're like, literally you're trying to understand someone's questioning making you question your own reality. They're like, wait a minute, I feel this way. And then they say, you shouldn't feel that way. 
say, wait a second, but I do. Yeah, but you're wrong for feeling that way because that didn't happen. And that's not why you should feel that way. And you're like, but wait a minute. As a result of these, this interaction we had, my feelings are such. And if the person says, you're wrong, <laughs> your feelings are not that way, you're being gaslit. That brings it back to Teal Swan, the cult leader that I was watching on Hulu. There's a show called The Deep End. It's a documentary about a woman who's a, got this, she's a, quote, influencer, but she's a cult leader. She's literally telling people, you, sh- you were wrong for thinking that. You're wrong for feeling that way. People were questioning her openly at her seminars. She's like, no, I'm right. You're wrong. And they're like, but I feel that this is, and they're like, she's like, you're thinking wrong. Your thinking is wrong. <laughs> but I think when you say that, I feel this way. You need to change your feelings. <laughs> it's very strange. Noldreus says, Donald Trump and Amber Heard are the same type of people who enjoy abusing people who are basically vulnerable in life. Yes. Yes. Donald Trump and Amber Heard work. They function the same. They will continually lie because they don't know how to not do that. They think, because it's worked their entire life, apparently. It is, it is borderline personality disorder, I agree. It's also narcissistic personality disorder and histrionic personality. Histrionic, a little bit more leeway, a little bit more self-reflection. Borderline and narcissistic are different in the sense that borderline people do these manipulative tactics and gaslighting, but it's like a weird survival mechanism, whereas narcissistic people do it on purpose. They know that they're doing it. They know that they're manipulating you. And they, they own, you only exist to serve them in their mind. So I think she's a little both. I think she, I think, um, and you can be. You could be a little this, a little that. And Amber Heard is definitely, that. I think that uh, Donald Trump is definitely a narcissist because every single, even his own attorney general, Bill Barr, is like, you, anything that you think, Bill Barr is like, there's no evidence to show that that this that there was any type of fraud in the election and Donald Trump was like, okay, can we find some fraud? Can we figure it out? Can we lie about it? And he and Giuliani teamed up and they decided that they were going to lie about it. To the country. Incredible. Incredible. Because you know what? It's crazy. There's a playbook, right? There's a playbook on how the, all this works. And people say, well, you're not supposed to use the playbook. What are you talking about? The Nazi playbook? Yeah, yeah, you're not supposed to use the Nazi playbook. But does it work? Say people like Donald Trump and 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 uh, what's that guy, Miller? Steve Miller? No, not Steve Miller. Tim Miller? What's his name? You say, they go, you mean this playbook, this Nazi playbook that works every time? This nationalistic, uh, manipulative propaganda playbook that has only ever worked throughout history we're not supposed to do that and everybody in society technically we're like yeah well that's against the rules <laughs> you're not supposed to do those things because that's nazism and then the nazi people like donald trump and tim miller steve bannon and all of them they're like yes exactly steve bannon shout out to my friend bannon rudis who it is rudis Man and Rudis, by the way, is uh, it's his birthday today. 
Speaking of Bannons. But the thing is, it's, it's crazy. You know what I mean? Like, Steve Stephen Miller, the C-plus Santa Monica fascist. Yeah. That's good. I think you killed to the lean. Uh, that's the thing. They're like, this playbook right here, this one that says, if I do all of these things, I will gain power and wealth and influence. And you say, no, you're not supposed to open that book. You're not supposed to read the playbook. It's If you do it play by play, you will win every time because you will be taking advantage of the people who... Uh, who uh, essentially are not in your best interest at all. You can take advantage of people who you are not in their best interest, like the poor and the working class and, and the this and that. You, there's a way to rally them up. There's a way to scapegoat a group of people and have them team up and be on your side. Meanwhile, you've got all the rich and wealthy people on your side, and then now you've got to get all of the the working class people on your side the proletariat, or whatever. You got to get them all on your side. And these people, the the poor and the working class, have nothing in common with you. So you got to fire them up and get them angry about something. And you get them angry about, say, uh, women's health care rights. Say, hey, hey guys, you know what's horrible? Goes against your Jesus that I could give or take because I'm a rich white dude. I can give or take your Jesus. I'll go out there and say I believe in your Jesus. I'll go out there, but I'll do all of the bad things I'm not supposed to do because it doesn't matter. who. Screw you. I'm rich. <laughs> See what I'm saying? The rich people go, I love Jesus and the cross because all y'all people will like me if I say that. So I'm going to say it publicly, but then do all of the horrible, debaucherous things that I'm not supposed to do behind closed doors because I'm rich and I can. (laughs) It's amazing to me how transparent life is if you just open your eyes a little bit and see it. But uh, just like maybe when I... Let's see. It's so bad that there's more than one Steve. There's so many Steves. Steve Bannon, Steve Miller. Watch that Jesus Dad Cult ser- docu-series on HBO Max. Oh, I did start watching it, yeah, with the old la- with the lady with the big hair. <laughs> yeah. The rich people, when they tell you they love their Jesus, they don't. They love their money. They love their power. They love their influence. And they will just tell you anything, because they know lots of people will respond and give them more money and more power, and more influence. Anyway, subscribe, like, and share. Send me your money. I would like that. Let me turn up the reverb. Much better. Much better. These strings are so thin. That sounds so much better with a lot more reverb. Because you can cover up your mistakes.
Three wigs high. I don't know what that means, but thank you. I'll take it. Yeah, reverb. More reverb, please. Wow, that's way better. <laughs> Why didn't anybody tell me? Thank you. Sounded so thin. Sounded like the Jesus cult on HBO. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we've done it again. We've made it through another hour of Aristotle Full Throttle. And uh, I implore you and I encourage you uh, to to look at the facts, look at the evidence. If you want to share your reality with someone else, maybe it makes you feel better to have a folie à deux. That is a shared psychosis with somebody. Maybe you'll live in a fantasy land and you'll share that fantasy land and it'll feel good to you and the other person and you'll you'll reaffirm and validate each other's feelings and realities. Uh, but if you want to take it to court, bring some evidence. <laughs> if you want to show the world, if you want to share that with the world, uh, you know, back that stuff up with some facts. You know what I'm saying? F-A-X, facts. A lot of people out there saying, uh, you know, go surreal. Okay, cool. Show me. <laughs> Maybe they're real for you. A lot of people saying, uh, I could talk to dead people. All right. Well, that's a really extraordinary ability. Why don't you show us how you do that? <laughs> Seems pretty amazing. John Edwards. Like, John, like, why would you, John Edward, why would you go on TV and just exploit that ability instead of maybe, I don't know, working for the for the government or the church. <laughs> Seems strange. Seems strange that that's, that's how you would go around trying to convince people that you could talk to dead people. <laughs> Seems pretty personally advantageous, especially when people are uh, vulnerable. You can manipulate them. That's the whole thing. That's the trick, right? The playbook. The Nazi playbook. What, this playbook? We're not supposed to do this? We're not supposed to manipulate people who are vulnerable? Because it's real easy. <laughs> yeah. Both John Edwards are garbage. I agree with you, Keltoline. I'm just saying. It's funny to me. Funny, strange. Funny, weird. Yeah, you're not supposed to do the playbook that works every time. That's what they try to tell you. But it's going to work every time. So watch out for it, I guess. I don't know. Just look after yourself. Look after each other. Try not to be a dick. Just try not to be. Just like the other day. I'll tell you this story and then I'll go. I almost got into a fight. I was at a bar. 
on Long Island almost got into a physical altercation with somebody. And I'm not joking. Like, it was getting pretty real. Real quick. Um, you know, I stood up to show my size, and they were saying, you think I'm scared of your size? And I was like, yeah, kind of. I do think that, actually. <laughs> I think, and I actually did see in their eyes a fear. And I said to myself, this could go one of multiple ways. One is, we end up arrested in the hospital, whatever. And I'm like, not the face, not the face. So I said to myself, I'm going to fix this. This guy got scared. Then he was starting to act out. It led up to, it was an interesting moment where I was skeptical of his behavior and I thought he was being um, another Long Island douchebag. And uh, so I sort of court called him out on it and then he took offense and then it got very heated and it almost became a physical altercation. And then I said to him, I said, come here, I'm going to talk to you. And the bouncers were about to pull this guy out. They were grabbing him. I'm like, no, no, let me talk to him. Let me talk to you. It's my friend Ricardo now. But I said to him, I said, hey, look, we got off on the wrong foot. <laughs> there was a misunderstanding here. Um, I said this, you said this, this is what happened. I, I owned my part. I said, look, I'm sorry I called you that. I called you that, but I was out of line. I'm sorry about that. I looked him in the eye and I said that. And then he was like shocked. <laughs> he was shocked. He was like, he's ready to fight me. And I said, no, we don't have to fight. And he said, okay, okay, well, I understand. <laughs> but he started to come around and understand where I was coming from. Because I said, this is what I thought was happening. He said, oh, I understand now. I understand. And I said, look, I understand that I hurt your, he's like, well, you've hurt my feet. He literally said, you hurt my feelings. And I said, I could tell. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I hurt your feelings. What's your name? Let's be friends. And we we ended like that way. The, the bouncers kept coming over. They're like, you want me to take this guy away? And I said, no, we're good. We're good. We're friends now. It's my friend Ricardo. <laughs> so the point of the story is, own your behavior. Don't be a dick. Fix what can be fixed. I said to myself, this could be fixed. This doesn't have to go the way it seems to be going. And I, tr and, I, and, I, uh, and I fixed it. Fixed it for everyone. Because I think that he was genuinely scared. <laughs> and just... Sounds like I'm in a big room. pretty loud probably waking up the neighbors in australia right now anyway if you could fix something if you could right the wrongs do it if you could be wrong like amber heard then go away she just needs to go away at this point what she she needs to do what's good for her and just drop it because she's trying to gaslight america saying what you saw did not happen all those lies i said uh, you did not they were all true uh the fact that i was found uh liable on all of the counts against me uh that was unfair the jury was not fair 
I lied publicly, continually, in order to defame and be malicious. However, that's everything happening to me? Unfair. It's not true. The strong survive and the weak are left behind, but that's not the way it should be. We should help each other and love each other. That is the message of the day. Thank you, Noel Dreyer. And have a wonderful rest of your day. And I will talk to you tomorrow. If I'm not at the beach, I might go to the beach.